1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Roto Experts Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined today by Michael Leone and Colin Drew. You probably know them as Two Hats, One Mike, and Drewby. Soon enough, this podcast feed is going to be rebranded as the Sports Grid Fantasy Football Podcast. We will be bringing on Drew Dinkmeyer and his compatriots from Daily Roto. There will be a DFS podcast on this feed, seasonal fantasy football podcast on this feed, betting podcasts on this feed, really any topic you can imagine related to football is going to be populated on this feed. But the idea today with this episode, uh, we are going to take a look at the week one NFL prices on DraftKings. And then Colin and I are going to talk some preseason DFS and Hall of Fame game stuff. Mike, how much Kyler Murray are you going in week one?
2: Kyler Murray, tons of hype. And he's the guy that is just very polarizing because there's people that always love the shiny new toy. And there's people that always hate the shiny new toy, almost no matter what the data or anything says. And I wrote up, uh, you know, like a five things you need to know about the early DraftKings pricing for week one. And the first one was about Kyler Murray and how I think he's being valued. You know, pretty reasonably. I know a lot of the DFS bubble is in on him. And I think there are very good reasons for that. Number one, uh, the the detractors I think are viewing like last year as the baseline for Arizona. So when someone's in on Kyler Murray, there's this assumption that they're taking all these leaps of faith to get him to this you know good projection, and that it's all downside and no upside to a projection. There's like
1: there's like no overlap between the two teams though. Like I guess the overlap you would say is Larry Fitzgerald in the slot and David Johnson as the primary running back. Those are the two things that overlap.
2: Yeah, like the line will still probably be bad, but it was historically bad last year. If you look at the guys that played games for them and the amount of guys they had to interchange, line was historically bad. The offensive coaches were uh, the opposite of creative and it was very slow paced team. I mean, they were running like 57 plays per game. Um, NFL averages more like 63. they, They led
1: the league in percentage of runs in between the left guard and the right guard.
2: Yeah, it was just there's so many big differences. And I think the plays is one of the big ones. You know, they were barely running any plays, partially because they were so bad and partially because they were slow paced. And with Cliff Kingsbury there, you you know, they're going to run up tempo and we've got them at like a little bit below average yards per attempt, but a big increase from last year right around league average in terms of plays run. When with Cliff Kingsbury, if they're even somewhat efficient and somewhat good to stay on the field, it's probably going to be above average given what we know about them. So in my opinion, we've got Kyler Murray as the third best value week one with these assumptions that leave room for upside beyond them. It's not just one of those things where we're assuming best case scenario. I don't think that's the case at all. I think when you start doing the projection work, you start doing the leg work, and you look, as you said, the personnel has changed uh, the coaching staff has changed, and you get a, a quarterback like Kyler Murray. Run a lot of plays. Uh, he's got tons of rushing equity, and they really invested a lot in the skill player positions. You know, they drafted Hakeem Butler and Andy Isabella to go with and
1: and back. and training camp buzz boy Keyshawn Johnson,
2: Keyshawn Johnson, and then of course Christian Kirk. Um, I feel like the if if the Cr- bubble Christian is- Kirk,
1: I just I just saw like I'm just kind of looking at these now. Christian Kirk, forty seven hundred. He, he seems to me like he's going to be, he's actually going to be like chalk. Like yeah. I would imagine he's going to yeah. be a cash game consideration.
0: Yeah, I what think. I wanted to add to that was I think, you know, Vegas kind of agrees the total of that game is at 47 and a half. So they definitely think the Arizona offense is going to be improved. Typically not looking to fade a quarterback either just on ownership. I think the big question is with Kyler, is, he's a, is he going to be the type of player that you want to double stack with multiple wide receivers? Or because so much of his projection can be driven through the ground, is he the, the single stack type of quarterback? And then um, if Kirk is chalked, do you find a pivot to stack Kyler with a contrarian wide receiver? Those were kind of the initial things for me.
2: So I think if the bubble, if the bubble is too high on an Arizona player, it's not Kyler Murray – as much as it pains me to say it, it's Christian Kirk, just because the, co- you know, the competition for targets, we're talking about all these skill players, you know, you just mentioned Ricky Seals-Jones as a pivot. Like there's a lot of guys there for targets. And I think Christian Kirk with the history with Cliff Kingsbury, you know, second year in the NFL. Yeah, he's going to be the number one there. But what does that mean, you know, really mean in terms of percentage of targets and our market share of targets for Christian Kirk, you know, it's, it's in the teens, uh, it's the high teens, but it's still in the teens, and that's a guy that, you know, if Fitzgerald happens to catch the touchdowns, or we see a little bit more out of Isabella or Butler to start. I know Butler's like likely not to get a whole lot to start the year, but I think that's a bit more fragile. Um, than Kyler Murray, you know, I would fade.
1: Kirk, Kirk is the Kirk is like our projections liked him at the start of the offseason, like start of best ball season. Our projections were like, okay, you should draft this guy. And then as as people have started to do stacking in the best ball championship, our projections have liked him less and less relative to ADP.
2: Yeah, he's a guy that in round seven, eight, nine, love him. Uh, In rounds five, I've seen him go four, five. I've
1: and seen him. Go, I've seen. I've seen Kirk and Kyler go back to back five six before. And
2: and that's when that's when the detractors are right where you're really chasing the ceiling. But you start looking at the other options at the quarterback position. What's interesting, uh, a lot of the data shows that the game script doesn't matter too much for quarterbacks. But that said, the two that rate ahead of Kyler Murray are Carson Wentz at home with a big team total but a huge spread and Dak Prescott at home with a big team total and a huge spread. And you do start to wonder, you know, is this ceiling on these guys capped a little bit more than Murray's because they're likely to be, you know, running so much in the second half. But a lot of the data I've seen suggests the team total matters a lot more than the fact that they're big favorites and the team total suggests they have a lot of fantasy upside.
1: I mean, that makes, that makes pretty clear sense to me because I mean, NFL teams really don't call the dogs off until the fourth quarter. Like, like you can be, you can be up twenty-one points in the third quarter, and I, it's not like it's not, it's not like Dak Prescott's going to the bench, and you know, just because they're up, like it's the NFL, bro. You know, but that's sort of my basic opinion. Uh, the the one thing I thought was interesting, Colin, is the other guy our projections is super high on is Jameis Winston, and he actually is priced up. Jameis Winston is the third most expensive quarterback, and reports seem like Andrew Luck, Andrew Luck is like injured. And he we might we like there's there's gotta be at least like a ten percent chance that Luck does not play come uh, come the, the opening weekend of the NFL season. So like do you think Jameis has the chance to be like very non chalky and also super high upside? Yeah, it's definitely. Tough.
2: Sorry, go ahead.
0: Callum. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, definitely high upside. Um, as far as that raw projections, like him and Cam are right up there behind Mahomes. Um, and generally, ownership at quarterback gets spread out. And so you rarely see someone crack 20%. Kyler is probably a candidate to be one of the more popular ones, 15 to 20% owned, but these high price guys are going to be sub 10% ownership. Um, and then it's just a question of whether or not you can fit in the the stacks with them or the double stacks with them. So I definitely think the the game environment for Jameis and Cam is a really strong one. Also think Kirk Cousins has a decent game environment, a team that might look to be more run heavy, but his price tag at 5,500 is perfect in a range where we really want to, to save money at quarterback and spend up elsewhere. And to double stack cousins with both dealing and digs it's really affordable route on DraftKings as well
2: one thing i wanted to note about quarterbacks that i found really interesting in researching over the offseason as we you know always evaluate our historical projections and try to make improvements where we can but quarterback gets thought of as this very predictable position and from an accuracy relative you know from the gaps between projection and actual points scored it's pretty predictable because it's pretty accurate because the range of scores is a lot tighter than other positions. But in terms of the ranks of where guys come in, you know, with those ranges being tight, where the quarterbacks actually rank within those ranges, it's actually a little bit more difficult to project the quarterback position than like running back or wide receiver. And I think that's because the volume for the quarterbacks is all roughly the same. And, you know, whereas running back, you can get some huge volume edges and it's a lot easier to rank guys accordingly. So I do find it a little bit interesting that I think there's a bit more variance at the quarterback position than perceived probably at first glance.
1: Yeah. So looking at the running back position, David Johnson, pretty cheap. Le'Veon Bell, super cheap. Uh, At home, you know, uh, the Jets, I assume, are favored by what, like, Four points, probably. I, I don't even know. Three, have... three,
2: buddy. Three, that's oh, it.
1: Okay. Oh, Only, only three. three. All right. So, uh, probably a little bit of edge in betting the Jets there, I would think. Uh, Le'Veon Bell seems to me like clearly the best running back play, points per dollar. Do, do the projections agree with that right now, Mike?
2: They have him second. The guy that's first, on Johnson. And that's because yeah. I don't think you've, you know, with the theoretic news that he's released, uh, we've got carry on. For uh, you know, vaguely
1: market shares?
2: Yeah, you know as much of as, as it matters in the passing game, we've got him with roughly a little bit less than a target more per game than he had last year. But even in terms of just rush attempts, we have him up quite a bit um, per game from last season. And at 5800, we just talked about with Kyler Murray and, and you know Colin mentioned uh, what Vegas has for the total in this game, the pace expected to be there. Uh, it's tough to pass on him at 5800 unless you have like this severe concern that CJ Anderson is the goal line back. Um, that that's like the only concern with Carry On. If you don't have that concern at all, then Carry On at 5800 is the cheapest. But yeah, Le'Veon Bell sticks out pretty strong. I also think Nick Chubb at 6400. You know, Kareem Hunt's obviously going to start off the year suspended. Not entirely sure what's going on with Duke Johnson. Uh, that's. A situation with them as I believe they're you know decent home favorites against Tennessee uh, I know they're going to be a pretty pass-heavy team throughout the year but I think he's still a guy that can approach 20 carries especially if the game script goes positive and he should have really good touchdown equity just because I expect this Cleveland offense to fire on all cylinders this year
1: you have any big thoughts on the running back player pool, Colin? Do you, do you think that people will be spooked off of Le'Veon Bell because like there, there's no game log, right? We, and he's not going to play in the preseason. So people will have not seen Le'Veon Bell play for two years, basically when he, when week one comes.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think the, the comfort zone, right. Is to go to the guys that had the high floors last year with Saquon and Christian McCaffrey. So um, I do think they will be a tiny bit spooked off. It, some of that will depend what type of news, right? Like if you get the guaranteed bell cow type of news, then that'll kind of vault the ownership up. If it's a little bit vague and people just are, are left to assume things and think it can keep it down. Um, Delvin Coke was the other guy that was on my radar. Just the Minnesota Vikings team in general seems like the potential to have a concentrated offense and extremely cheap price tags on all of their good skill players. And, um, uh, you know, if they are run heavy, then Cook could be involved. If they're not, or if they get behind, then you have the Cousins, Diggs, steal and Stack. And all of the Vikings right now are kind of inside the, the top respective values of their position. So that was the other guy early that was on my radar. And, you know, on teams that don't leverage the, the Diggs, steal and Cousins Stack, then definitely think that having Cook in the mix is, is one of the core RB plays works out well from a pricing perspective.
1: Uh, every Tampa Bay running back is $4,000 or less. So if we, if they're, if, if,
0: yeah, we we talked uh, about that.
1: Yeah. Like, Oh, okay. Uh, if Peyton Barber is just going to play 80% of the snaps, I know he sucks, but like that's definitely a dude to put in MME builds on the converse though. If they come out preseason week three and Ronald Jones plays, uh, nine of the 10 snaps with the first team, I would imagine that he would probably become like a pretty trendy GPP play.
0: Yeah, and you know. it seems like we'll get some type of clear news there too.
1: Yeah, pricing like Bruce Arians feels, loves to talk.
2: Pricing feels pretty soft, so it's gonna be. Yeah, but we haven't
1: built anything yet, though. Like, it, pri- I think pricing always sort of uh, like feels soft when you're just it's like going
2: to be soft. You you've got guys like Damian Williams at 6,300 who we have as a, a you know a borderline dude, first. Dude, that's it.
1: that's Darwin Thompson's team. Don't you read? Don't you read Twitter? <laughs> If you read yeah. Twitter, you'd know. For the
2: defense doesn't matter, Crowd. Damien at 6,300 uh is gonna be really appealing. because so I think there's a chance he's not that popular. But uh, yeah, I think he's, early, of course.
1: I <laughs> also is- I also think the defenses don't matter. People should be on Joe Mixon, because Joe Mixon is Joe Mixon, we already know. That dude is a straight up when he's in there, he's getting 80% he's getting 80% of the backfield touches and I, I personally do not think Seattle is that good I bet I bet the line I bet they are probably five point dogs or six point dogs or something at Seattle
2: yeah and then of course Eckler just Eckler and Justin Jackson depending on the Melvin Gordon situation 5,500 4,000 respectively nothing like too crazy there if you think it's going to be split but so I think
1: to... one, one thing we do know is one of these running backs is going to get hurt and there's going to be one 3K guy?
0: Yeah. The other guy that jumped out a little bit more, if you go with the contrarian, like Wentz stacks for the Eagles, which I think will be contrarian week one, is Chris Thompson's 3,500. It seems like Bryce Love's not going to start on the active roster. And um, if you want to run a game stack, that's the type of price point you could bring somebody back that's really cheap in the flex spot and then be able to pay up for one of those
1: top tight ends. Yeah. Uh, looking at the wide receiver position now, I guess this is where this is where things get weird, right? Because like normally the elite wide receivers are like very expensive, but like I'm I'm looking at this and like Thielen and Diggs are under 7k. Like that, you're you're right, Mike. That's very soft.
2: Yeah, the price, and, and when you get to tight end too, there's just a whole slew of cheap guys that you can look at. So um, to go with what Colin has been saying, beating the drum on the Vikings, we've got Thielen and Diggs two guys on the same team as the top two values at the position. And, you know, it's never too early to think about MME strategies and whatnot. And there is the potential that you would do a, you know, minimum one Viking on your teams. If you really feel good, you feel like the pricing's good, the offense's in a good spot, that someone, and because it's concentrated enough, that someone's going to have a good game there. Uh, I think between those three skill players, and Diggs, and Cook, that's not the worst MME strategy to have. Um, because I don't see Atlanta just completely shutting them out uh, with Minnesota at home in this game.
1: Yeah. Uh, seems like Tyler Boyd is going to be pretty popular with A.J. Green not playing 5,800 at Seattle. And uh, uh, although I think people – Colin, I think people still think Seattle's defense is good, though.
0: Yeah, I, I think there's the perception of that and then just also the fact that they run the ball so much that I think kind of st- – you know, steers people away, especially in tournaments where game stacking is pretty popular. Uh, you're not going to be looking to to stack the passing attack of Seattle either. So that'll kind of depress the ownership on people bringing it back the other way.
1: Yeah. Uh, so if Cooper Cup is not ready for week one, your boy, Leone Josh Reynolds, 3,300 on DraftKings?
2: Yeah, the hard part is that I feel like there's so many juicy receivers in the mid-tier that I think... I probably won't be dipping down there too much. We'll see. I think you know you'll laugh because this is the guy that you hate. But uh, Marvin Jones coming back on if you're going the Arizona game stack route, you've got Marvin at 4,800. Even maybe Danny Amendola at 3,600. Not exactly a big upside guy, but yeah, Reynolds would. It's so tough to take a guy like that week one, but. Uh, you look at the Carolina Rams game. That was a stack that I wrote up. It's a pretty high total game. I think at least in the DFS bubble, I feel like more people are going to go to Arizona to Detroit. I feel like more people are going to go to Tampa Bay, San Francisco, and that leaves you know Cam, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel stacks as pretty, pretty affordable, and it's very easy DJ to Moore bring Moore someone back.
1: Be, DJ Moore is going to be one of my big one-offs in tournaments. I think just because like. I don't I don't I would be shocked if he was more than like 8 or 9% owned and like I I just think I mean I I'm just so long him this season anyway. I would love to start the year out with uh, you know 120 yards and two touchdowns.
2: Yeah, and unless we get like a crazy good cheap value, I think pricing soft but in a way that it lets you build these balanced rosters and there's a ton of upside in the balanced mid-tier rosters especially at wide receiver where Obviously, the top expensive guys are more likely to go boom, but the boom games are there for the mid-tier receivers like DJ Moore, like a Brandon Cooks at 6,500. That building these rosters that are pretty balanced and not getting sucked into studs and duds, uh, which is generally a popular build early because there are a few mispricings that allow you to do that, is going to be a really really high upside tournament option. And you just you got Chris Godwin 6,200. Um, Sammy Watkins, 5K. There's just so many guys I know we like for season long that you can take advantage of in DFS out of the gate if you're willing to just pound those mid-tier receivers that have legitimate you know, 101
0: upside. And just as a final point, I think the thing that jumped out to me in the early look at our top values was that so many of the top receiver values are coming out of the same game. So um, that always makes it really attractive for game stacking. That Rams-Carolina game, I think, has four or five receivers inside our top 15 values. And then um, even within that Vikings Falcons game, you have Diggs, Steelen, and, and Julio in there. So really attractive game stacks where you're not even, sometimes you got to sacrifice value to stack a game. And in this week one, early look at the projections looks like we can get top values in good game stack environments with high totals without sacrificing
1: any value. Just going
2: to be crazy week one.
1: Yeah. We um, get rich. Colin <laughs> thoughts, thoughts on tight end. Who do you think people are going to play in cash? Who's going to be the chalk cash tight end?
0: um it's it's going to be dependent on if there's like a clear and obvious value that makes like a
1: running back injury
0: yeah um but otherwise i think the typical thing that we see is people spending down at at the position of tight end especially in cash games and um i think that is going to bring um either hunter henry or austin hooper into the conversation um so i think that it's hunter henry
1: yeah, Hunter I, Hunter people, Henry and thirty yeah,
0: people carry over, right? You can see Hunter Henry's ADP is a few rounds ahead of Hooper, so that should definitely carry over. Yeah.
1: Uh, like this I,
2: I think is, Hooper Henry, yeah, Henry yeah, people will play wild. Hooper too, though. But I just I feel like that you know, tight end doesn't usually get mega chalk. And I think in tournaments, the way they price thing, it's actually really interesting. At first, it looks kind of stupid and cheap, but the more I think about it, I think it's set up in a way where you've got three elite tight ends, you've got the Ertz, Kelsey, Kittle all in play on this slate. And I think the ownership is going to get really spread out at tight end in tournaments because people are going to want to spend up on some of those guys in tournaments. And then there are guys like Cooper that you can pivot off of. Uh, There are guys, um, I'm trying to, like David Njoku, TJ Hawkinson's 3,100, you know, just a rookie with some hype in a game that's going to be game stacked. I see the tight end position getting really spread out in tournaments. But as far as cash games go, uh, I feel like Henry's the type of guy that people are going to gravitate towards. I think a lot of content as we get closer to week One's going to be around Hunter Henry. So I could see him being like the mega cash game chalk.
0: Yeah. That
1: all makes I, sense to me. I think that, I think that does seem like sort of a sort of about fair. Do you guys have, do you guys have any thoughts on uh on defenses, you want, you want
0: to tout a defense? No, we're, the
2: only, we're not not going defenses. The
1: only one I wanted to tout was I actually think the Dolphins
0: are going to be an interesting punt against the Ravens just because Lamar rushing so much, can take some sacks, can turn the ball over, and definitely were some upside defensive performances against them. The Dolphins are close to the men, so they were, they were the one of the ones. I'm always looking to save money at defense. They jumped out as a potential team that even if they lose the game could put up like six to ten DK points pretty easily.
1: Yeah, I, two. Think that, uh, I think that seems fair.
2: One last thing I'll just say, jumping back to tight end, two guys that Daily Roto likes a lot uh, and as late-round targets in season-long that I think won't be super high-owned just because there's so many options. Tyler Eifert against Seattle at 3,100, uh, and then Ricky Seals-Jones might carry a little bit of ownership, uh, but at 2,700 uh, in that Arizona-Detroit game are two like really cheap guys that probably come in single digit ownership just because it's a onesie position with some clearer values and then some top dogs and you know, the clear cut elite three tight ends.
1: Yeah. Um, all right. Do we have any other week one takes we want to, uh, we want to get off our chest before we move to talking about preseason?
0: No, man, I'm excited. Preseason is it's like, Thursday. Okay. It's, uh, it's here. The, the first DFS NFL DFS later of the year. So always a good time.
1: Yeah, always, always the best time. Preseason fantasy football really is the best. Uh, why don't you Why don't you tell people what we have cooking on DailyRoto.com to help them win this year?
0: Yeah, so we're we're gonna have free preseason article up each week, kind of breaking down some of the news, um, and so all of that'll be over on DailyRoto. It'll be free, um, kind of trying to direct people to where some of the top values would be, and then we're also for subscribers gonna have the optimizer up and running. If you want to upload your own projections and leverage the daily road optimizer to build lineups, then you'll be able to do that. The blogs each week, will talk about news and then also talk about how you could go about constructing your player pool or projections for that specific slate. And we've got an early bird promo code going on as well. If you want to save 10% off the NFL package, you can use the promo code preseason. That's P-R-E-S-Z-N, like the kids say at Davis.
1: Yeah, there we go. I'm I'm very I'm very excited for this. So uh, the first thing we gotta we gotta just tell people, how do you play NFL preseason DFS? How do you go about researching? Well, I will say your your best friend is going to be for me it's Google News. So I use Google News filters, and I just have the settings for like either last 24 hours or last week, and I just Google the names of either all the teams that are playing in the slate. And all of, or all like the quarterbacks are really the, the important ones because beat. I mean, this is beat writer's jobs is to tell people who's going to be playing and how much they're going to be playing during these games, and then I I keep track of everything in like a like a Google Drive.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I would say um, starting if you're kind of new to preseason DFS or you have struggled with it in the past, um, I think some of the basics are just understanding how the playing time varies by week. So. The first week of the preseason, the normal starters and veterans are are mostly irrelevant, except in the thinnest of depth chart scenarios. As week two, the starters become a little bit more relevant, but the playing time is still pretty limited and uncertain. So you could get a starter who sees a quarter, and if they perform well, then that could be enough to get them there. But they're typically not going to be playing a full half. And then the week three is when you start to see the the kind of highest scoring fantasy producers. And then by week four, you're kind of back to the practice squad, guys. So it's a, a nice little cycle that you have there. Um, but the news is really important. I think, like you said, the Google News is really valuable. Uh, the beat writers on Twitter are really valuable, especially leading up until lock. And then I think the Athletic, with all their expanded NFL coverage, has been another valuable resource if you're a subscriber there. And you know, obviously, with our blog, we're going to be trying to provide and summarize as much information as we possibly can over at Daily Roto. And all of that will be, will be free for people to check out. So hopefully, we can steer you in the right direction there as well.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I, I mean, yeah, the, the most, the, the skill that is going to be rewarded the most in NFL preseason, honestly, is going to be effort. So, like, if you, are, if you are someone that's, like, big in putting in the work and, like, massaging projections and sort of figuring stuff out like that yourself, NFL preseason DFS is really the thing for you.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, at a at a team level, the fantasy point performances, um, you know, there can be variant, but like the Vegas totals are pretty similar for a lot of these games. And, you know, the average team level quarterback is putting up 15 to 16 DraftKings points. The RBs are putting up 20 to 25 wide receivers around 30 and tight ends around 10. So it's really thin positional depth charts that you're looking for and, and thinking yeah. about how you would cascade those team level averages down to the positions. And just one of the examples I wanted to give right off the bat is the Baltimore quarterback situation where RG3 is hurt. You don't expect Lamar Jackson to be run a ton in the preseason because they want to save him up for the regular season. So that's the type of situation where – even though it's you know bad personnel, a bad team, you're talking about somebody who's gonna command a lion share of the snaps. And that's really what you're looking for when you're looking for Google News, right? You're looking for the thin positional depth charts where certain guys are gonna get a ton of playing time.
1: Yeah, I mean that's so that's the biggest thing is like uh, like an obvious injury to a guy who otherwise would be playing like RG three you would expect if he wasn't hurt he would play some snaps or like for the you know, for the Hall of Fame game like if if Drew Locke like stubbed his toe or whatever and wasn't gonna play like that would shift how things would go for the Hall of Fame game like th- yeah or another big one is figuring out how many snaps the like guy who's a lock to make the team but is not very good like like ito smith for the uh for the hall of fame game he's for sure making the falcons but i don't know if we are for sure that he is either is or is not going to play in the hall of fame game like those are the sorts of things to really be looking at
0: yeah, and I think the, you know, as it gets into additional weeks as well, yeah, training camp battles. Um, obviously, certain teams are going to rest um, certain starters or even veterans. And, you know, we can get into the Hall of Fame game a little bit as well. It's a showdown slate. And I think that that matters. Uh, you're looking for correlations in those showdown slates. Um, obviously, you not only do you need to get, like, if quarterbacks are on a touchdown, I mean, you, so you need to try to find in that type of single game environment, you need to find not just guys who are going to be playing, but ideally you're trying to find guys that are be playing together because there aren't very many touchdowns. The single touchdown captured by a quarterback and a wide receiver alone could be enough to vault you into the payout zones. And then the, the defensive in special teams scores are also relatively high, especially in a single game format. If you look back to last year's 2018 preseason Hall of Fame game, you saw some weird stuff. Ravens didn't even let Justin Tucker attempt a field goal. Both defenses put up 10-plus fantasy points, finishing second and third on the slate in scoring. And then the the guys who finishes the highest scores that slate were Javon Wims, Tanner Gentry, fullback Michael Burden, all cracked the top 10. And then you got the QBs in there as well with the kind of ball in their hands all the time with both Lamar Jackson and RG 3 So um, I think you are still looking for correlation, but I, I think you need one defense on every roster and a bunch of rosters should have both defenses on them.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that like the the optimal strategy, so like if you're playing cash games for this, it would be uh, you'd go Kurt Benkirk, you'd go two Denver quarterbacks, you would go both of the defenses and then Giorgio Tavecchio, because I believe that, uh, they're not going to have Bosher, uh, take any kicks or anything at all. And t- so Tavecchio would be extra points and field goals and stuff like that. Like that's basically the way to, uh, there, there there's your hall of fame game lineup basically.
0: yeah and i mean you gotta you gotta choose the captain as well right the the quarterback
1: is is tough yeah high
0: ceilings but the defensive lineups should have extremely steady floors there so um, i would probably lean with yeah you know probably a dst in the captain spot there do you think dst and captain is viable for the showdown um as well and and i think we've kind of talked about the correlation. But you kind of breezed over some of that news there. But the the depth charts have been released for both teams, and um, specifically with the Falcons, they've said that Matt Schaub is going to start the game. Um, Matt Ryan's not going to play, and they only have three quarterbacks on the roster. So that's one of those thin positional depth charts where we know Ryan's not going to play. Schaub's a 15-year veteran. How much playing time are they going to give him? Like a series, maybe a quarter at most. So Bencar- I,
1: I would take. I would definitely take the under on a quarter. Yeah. It's
0: so like one to two series. Right. And then you're getting the three quarters out of a guy. It doesn't matter who he is.
1: Yeah. Ben Kirk. So I, I'll be playing 150 lineups and, uh, but like I probably will just lock Ben Kirk. Like I, I just don't, it's very hard for me to imagine him getting less than like six fantasy points, which is like, that's very good in preseason. Yeah. It's
0: a t- guaranteed top 10 performance. And if he throws a touchdown, it's like, he's, he's going to be a top three play.
1: Right. So, I, I like I maybe I there this is where you'd get into the game theory elements of being like, "Oh, well what if what if he gets hurt in the game or like they what got
0: put Chubb you know, in the whole game?"
1: Yeah, so like that that's where you would go like ninth level of being like, "Oh, well then I'll just fade him in 150, but uh that's that's like two that's so, like two grand." Who's, who's, who's
2: the emergency quarterback? Yeah, yeah, exactly. They
1: don't even, <laughs> they don't even have one.
0: They no, it's going to be, be like a wide receiver him. who played in high school.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, oh, Sanu
0: <laughs> there you go that well, they're not awesome. gonna play him they're not gonna play some new though so it'd be else.
1: they would they would probably they would probably just have like the backup they would probably just have someone come backup in.
0: up hunter hand the ball yeah. off and so that just run yeah the the broncos um depth chart also unofficial depth chart has been released they they did comment on their starters so they're going to start hogan against atlanta and they're going to play both lock and ripian so that, that's a guaranteed three quarterback situation. I know you mentioned wanting to target um, two QBs from or potentially two QBs from Denver and cash. Uh, do you know how the playing time's going to be split up or do you, do you just feel comfortable that between the talent and the fact that the balls in your hands that those are you know you, you want to I'm,
1: I'm guessing I'm guessing we'll get an update on this and I'm guessing the update is something like Hogan's gonna get a half. Locke is going to get a minimum of a quarter. If he's playing well, they might just leave him in. But if he sucks, they're going to yank him and put Rippian in because they don't want to expose their uh, 39th overall pick as being bad on the national stage. So my, my, that would be that would be how I would assume the playing time would break out. Like Hogan or uh, Rippian might only get like a series at the very end.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, I would think because it's the Hall of Fame game, I think maybe he gets a quarter um, and then doesn't play at all in a bunch of the other preseason games. But it's speculation. Like you said, one of the things with preseason, we're going to get pretty good news on the quarterbacks for almost every game because but it's a other popular
2: position, positions, preseason. not so much. Yeah. Other ones
0: are going to be tough. So um, I, the other situation I wanted to potentially target in this game was the Broncos have a solidified pecking order at running back. The Falcons don't really, and it's a camp battle between a bunch of these guys, and they feel pretty good about the depth, but not necessarily uh, confirmation in the order. The Broncos do have a solidified order. Lindsey and Freeman, the starters, Booker, definitely the third string and a a PPR back, and that leaves a pretty thin depth chart behind them of guys in this game. George Aston, the fullback, Devontae Jackson, and then uh Khalifani, Muhammad and David Williams. So it's plausible that if Muhammad kept... is
1: a sick preseason play because he's so fast. Like he he's one of those dudes who could have like 12 points on two touches.
0: That could be a three running back rotation too. So yeah. if that's like if that's what happens, um and they rest Booker, I, like maybe Booker would play a little bit with Hogan and the starters. But I, I,
1: would, I would think Booken, Booker gets that opening series with like, because like Noah Font will probably, like my guess is, is that uh, like Tim Patrick and River Crackraft, Noah Font and Devontae Booker play that first series with Hogan. So-
0: Carcraft, I think I saw he was hurt in practice. Um, don't know how bad it was. So we would want to just wait on the news there to make sure he's playing. They don't always push things in the preseason. But um, yeah, I think Patrick, Juwan Winfrey was the other guy that I think would be kind of right behind him on the depth chart.
1: Yeah. So I, I, but I, I guess I'm saying that would just be my guess is that the, the second string guys who are going to have some first team responsibilities will play the first series. And then after that, they'll be done.
0: Yeah. So if, if, um, yeah, I mean, I think those are kind of the main thoughts we're writing up a bunch of this stuff. Um, and we'll have that posted on daily roto. If you want to pull it up as a cheat sheet, that'll be free. If you want to use it to cascade projections down and build 150 lineups like Davis is for the showdown slate. Um, you're going to want to make sure you're setting up rules. We'll have some information on how to set up some of those groups and rules for showdown. And then we'll have access for our premium subscribers, to the optimizer so a good mix of free and premium stuff and obviously if you do want to save 10% on the Daily Roto NFL product this year we've got that 10% off code with the promo preseason P-R-E-S-Z-N
1: gonna get all the millennials with this promo